This is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast. This Doom Travelers podcast is brought to you by Hipsters of the Coast, your destination for magic news, strategy, and entertainment. And by Cast Haven, where you can build your magic collection like a pro. Visit casthaven.com for more information. All right, welcome to another episode of Dune Travelers, the podcast where we talk about magic and play Destiny. We are currently taking off for the Prison of Elders, where we're going to try to get some sweet loot. Uh, I'm your host, Rich Stein, and I'm joined this week by Matt the Obliterator Jones and Dave Bones McCoy. Uh, this week, we're going to kind of switch gears uh, from the usual magic talk. It's kind of uh, the off-season, uh, so to say. And we're going to be talking about magic art. Uh, this is a topic near and dear to many of our hearts, but none so much as uh, Matt, whose weekly column at Hipsters of the Coast, Arting Around, uh, has been uh, interviewing some of them artists from the magic world and talking about the art. Uh, you definitely should check that out. Matt, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what you've been doing with the column? Well, I used to write the column um, like sporadically with various little tidbits about the art of magic uh, talking to some illustrators at uh, various GPs or somewhere PTQs showing art that I liked, didn't like. I tend to buy art here and there. So, you know, showcasing that kind of stuff. Um, But then I stopped writing Power and Toughness because I almost never play Magic anymore. Uh, But I still wanted to write. And I think there's a lot of things in the illustration world, and especially the fantasy illustration, especially the Magic the Gathering illustration world that would be of interest to our readers. So uh, I just wanted to know more about the artists. I think uh, I know a lot of like artist artists, like fine artists, and right. talking to people who make their living by um, fulfilling requirements set up by other, uh, you know, by, as their job, not as like I'm going to sit in my studio and think about painting and make paintings, but as their job where they get assignments <laughs> and have to do it would be very interesting, especially since everything they paint is really cool. And we look at it all the time and what the hell does it mean? What is it? Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, right. and what are their lives like? You know, I think that's interesting too. So what's the, what's the main difference then, uh, that you've noticed between, uh, being a fine artist and being an illustrator, uh, for a game like magic? Uh, being a fine artist, you, your rules are different. Like I'm participating in a, in the art world, not in, you know, not in the, whatever i don't even know what it's called like the fantasy art world is different yeah i get hired for an assignment and i get paid x amount of dollars if i follow on this uh you know um for these deadlines i follow the instructions i do my best and you know then i get something but i'm like i hustle in my studio all the time as a fine artist like i just need to paint all the time and draw all the time because that's what I'm driven to do, and I don't want to have a boss like that. Um, I don't want right. to make specific things all the time. Like I want to paint, I want to paint a dragon one day. That's great. If I want to paint out of space the next day, that's great. If I want to paint seven different blues on a flat surface, that's great. You know, like I want to have the freedom to do those kinds of things, and I want to participate in the like the art historical world, not necessarily the illustrative world. 
So it's right. a very so, different, like very different setup for what you're doing. Yeah. Very different so so magic artists, magic artists in general, the, and you've talked to a bunch of them now about the process, right? Of what it's like to get a commission from wizards. Yes. So what's yeah, that they, process like? They all have different stories. Like some of them are brand new to magic. So they met right. somebody through somebody like their brother, uh, Anthony Palumbo, his brother, already painted for magic, so he got in through that way. Um, other artists, they were already known fantasy artists, they, or they apply, and... Sorry, I zoned out, I'm killing phalanx. What was the actual question? <laughs> so, 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 they, so they apply, or they, you know, they, they have a friend of a friend, or, or yeah. a family member. I mean, it works the same in. way that it works but, anytime anybody gets any job. You know, right, exactly. But but not, so what's so, but so else. I don't think not all not everyone is familiar with um, like the art descriptions, for example. Right. Um, right. So so you know for any given card that an artist like Anthony Palumbo is going to be asked to illustrate, what's the process then? Like, what is Wizards actually asking for? So they literally give you a sheet that says like there's points, like you have to make a demon, but it's red. And the, it'll describe the environment that it wants it to live in, and it'll describe what sort of, like, pose it is, you know, things like that. So it'll get very, very specific. Right. Some of them are looser. Back in the day, it was kind of like, it's a blue card that stops other magic. Go. And that's all it was. Um, like I was talking, I just, I'm just finishing up an interview with Drew Tucker, and it's, like, super, super freeing to... Uh, the way that they used to do it. They could do anything they wanted, basically. Like Jester and Merforce gave them all total freedom when it came to that. Because um, there weren't any rules, really. And now there's tons of rules. Like Magic has a... There's a whole style guide every time a set comes out. Everything has to look basically consistent with that style guide. I mean, Drew Tucker's actually one of the only Magic artists, I think, that did it in the old way and in the new way. So he had the total freedom and he had the uh, the style guide. Um, and he says he's interested so, in doing more, but very few of them do it at all now, like the original magic artists. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, I think there's a variety of reasons why artists stop uh, working for, with wizards. Um, but I mean, almost all of them keep doing fantasy. Illustration. Yeah. I think they generally fall into a few different categories. Obviously, you know, we, I see a lot of people, uh, are always asking, oh, when's the when's the next uh, Rebecca Gway piece going to come out? Or, you know, how come we don't see more stuff from Therese Nielsen or Ron Spencer? Um, and you know, I've I've heard quite often with Rebecca Gway, especially, is that Wizard simply uh, can no longer compensate an artist of her reputation. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I think the pricing is kind of one of the big things that uh obviously your average magic player really has no idea uh what goes on in the art world uh and especially the fantasy art world and the world of illustrating magic art but uh you know the the word on the street is that similar to pro players uh magic artists aren't uh necessarily compensated as well as other people uh in their field uh, and that many of them do it more for the prestige uh, and the resume of being a Magic the Gathering artist uh, rather than because it pays well. So what, what, what are all the kind of ways that a Magic artist can get paid? I assume Wizards pays them X amount of money 
or piece of art. I assume, like, I've seen Jones purchase magic original art, so I assume they can sell the original art they make. Like, For what, sure. What other ways do these guys make money? Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this, but they can, they can sell prints of their piece, like fine art-ish prints, um, but they can't, like uh, Rich brought up off-podcast, they can't, like, make a, a uh, like, playmat or something like that using the arts. The art sleeves. Um, Basically, the artists don't own the license to their artwork. Wizards does. Yeah, but so, I, think, I think that they, yeah, because of that, I think the older artists used to get, like, uh, every reprint they would get paid. Right, the royal, money, royal. Know? They used to get royalties, but my understanding is that that's no longer the case. Oh, for sure, not anymore. That's crazy. So, um, yeah. so, so ma- old magic artists used to make make bank on being a magic artist. Yeah, yeah. They also like look. We can't pay you that much now. I think was the deal when it first started. Um, but we have, we'll give you stock or whatever it was. And so they all made a lot of money. I actually read in. I think it was Quentin Hoover's. Uh, what do they write when you die? A eulogy? No, in the yeah. paper, what's it called? Um, yeah, yeah, obituary. It said something about how he wasn't ready for the hundreds of thousands of dollars he ended up making, you know? And so he ended up yeah. having tons of tax problems that plagued him his whole life. So so that probably explains why when they reprint cards, they also commission new art for them, because they might owe royalties for... for if it's the like, very old art, for sure, but I think they're way past that. I don't think they there's any of the old art anymore. Do you know when that might have changed? Seventh edition, I think, was the... Because, you know, some people remember that seventh edition had all new artwork for every base card. Things that were iconic pieces of art, like uh, Birds of Paradise got new art. And, and I mean, every card got new art. Um, and part of that was just because Wizards wanted a new feel for the set. But part of it was also, um, you know, related to just getting new art uh, instead of reprints. Yeah. Um, but it's, but I, I think uh, they print yeah. like literally zero of the old art anymore. I also see that if you go to GPs, so Christopher Rush is almost always there. He can't, yeah. I think he can't say that he's painting a black lotus. I think that he's like, this is the black <laughs> flower or like whatever the language is, <laughs> uses, you know? Um, it's pretty which, funny, which is funny. <laughs> because he makes play mats, but they're not the exact. He does, you know I mean? they're, yeah, and they're slight variations. And uh, to be fair, Black Lotus art is not my favorite art, so it doesn't seem yeah, very it's difficult to be able to do it's that. It's interesting what they what the artists can and cannot uh, do with the art. For example, they can. Uh, you know, I just uh, bought the John John Avon's book of art. Um, and you know, so that's something that he's uh, able to do is publish a book that contains uh, all of his magic art and a lot of other art that he did personally uh, is also included in there. But he couldn't uh, license it out to a company like Ultra Pro, uh, right. who wants to make sleeves only because Wizards but, licenses that out and makes Wizards, yeah, Wizards does that and Wizards makes the money off of that. Um, you know, it's a, it's definitely a point of contention. Um, we've, you know, lots of artists are either, you know, passionately in favor of illustrating for wizards, uh, such as Noah Bradley. Um, and some artists are very much not, uh, interested anymore. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I know I know some are very excited. Again, when I interviewed Anthony Palumbo, he thought it was like a godsend that he got to work for Wizards, and he's very, very, very grateful for it. Um, it's got to be great for name recognition. Right. Yeah, That's. I think that's the big thing, uh, is the name recognition, obviously. You get your fantasy art out there. Um, you know, millions of people play Magic the Gathering. Um, I can't think of a better medium right you know maybe you maybe comic book covers or or being a comic book illustrator is like the the top of the top for getting your artwork out there as a fantasy artist but other than that uh magic's got to be one of the premier resume builders um and then you you know you move on to the you know the fancy world of uh you know like a famous artist like kadar brock or rebecca guay <laughs> no, Matt Jones. Have you heard of famous artist Matt Jones? No, yeah, I'm sure he's right? very talented. And he's great at drawing dinosaurs, is what I've heard. Only recently, only recently. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think. I mean, I don't like to have an overlord, and I would. That's why I'm not an illustrator. Like, I went to school originally to be an illustrator, and right. I just I realized, like, I went to my first art show, and I was like, "Fuck that idea! I want to do what I want to do, and I want to be free." Um, but I, 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 the things that I've learned in talking to magic illustrators, is right. they have a lot of, a lot of very similar concerns, a lot of maybe more technically conservative concerns than I would have, but super interesting the way they think about making things, the, this, uh, forgetting her name, Anne Stein viewer. I'm not, she's only ever made two magic cards and I just started interviewing her. I went to her website uh-huh. and on her website, she has a live stream she does every few weeks where she critiques someone's art. Like someone submits art and she like works on their piece digitally. And her whole site's about, like she talks about all these brush, brush sets in Photoshop that she uses and why you would use which ones and other sets or other brush sets that you could use. And I'm like, you're talking about technical things that I've talked about sometimes in regards to like actual physical objects, like holding a brush using oil paint. And she has all of these, this like really intense knowledge about Photoshop brushes and things. And it's just, mm. it was so weird thinking about digital, digitally manipulating things that you, like she literally paints. Right. But digitally. And I've never thought of that. And then she, she addresses the community that's interested. The other digital artists, uh, like DeviantArt is a website right. that has a huge number of fantasy illustrators that all work together. Um, or not all work together, but all like they're part of a community. Uh, and just, just the idea of like, putting yourself out there to talk about how you make something right in front of people. I, I thought that was crazy. Like, why would you live stream how you make a painting? And then I watched a couple of them and I was like, oh, this is why. Because it's like really helpful and actually super interesting. Right. Um, so a lot yeah, of people do a lot of different, like a lot of the artists do a lot of different things. I think, I think a lot of like, I think being a fantasy illustrator is probably a mostly solo activity like you're you're a hermit in your studio making this work and you don't have a lot of interaction with other people until you go to a convention or you know you're talking to your art director or whoever i mean this is all speculation i'm not sure i i'm not a fantasy illustrator but um it's cool to be able to like just directly address the community at large um yeah it's, about it's your work about your practice interaction anyways i'm just learning all sorts of neat stuff like 
like Anthony Palumbo met the light, love of his life at a fantasy illustrator's like figure drawing class or something. And it like changed his entire like destiny. And she's another magic artist who's given me the crit. Like she's sent me so many preliminary. I love looking at preliminary drawings. She sent me so many preliminary drawings for her interview. It's like, it's the best thing ever. I just came like, why do I get? You mean like preliminary sketches for yeah, magic like, art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the three things that she submits to her art director. Yeah, Noah Bradley right. posts a lot of that stuff to, uh, to, uh, yeah. to Reddit. He's very active on Reddit. It's, it's awesome to see the process that these artists go through. Yeah. Like reacting to the prompts, reacting to the feedback. Like it's all really cool. Yeah, especially since cool. since he he's like pretty involved in the magic world these days so he's like you know very aware of what the flavor and the characters are so yeah it's interesting to see how that affects the way that he chooses to do his art rather than a random artist who you know has never really engaged i don't even know who magic. noah bradley is what does he paint he did like anger of the gods he does he's done a bunch of lands um if you've ever been on the magic reddit he uh Oops. He's constantly on there. He's yeah, he's he's on there a lot. Um, awesome. he, he I mean yeah. he does a lot of self promotion on it, but like it's. Still I think really lands are the thing he's most well known for. Um, he's a he's a big uh, proponent of illustrating for wizards. Um, you know, as opposed to a few other people, there's definitely people who are for and against it. Um, but he's had pretty positive experiences, so it's hard to uh, it's it's easy to see that you know he's pretty happy with it. Um, but no, it's a very it's a very fascinating uh, sect, I guess, of art uh, of the art community at large. Um, they seem like a pretty tight knit community too, magic artists. Um, like it's an exclusive club you get membership to. Uh, by yeah, the, I wonder uh, how long you stay around. I, like I was thinking. The only thing I can think about that's related to that in terms of like belonging to something, when you join a gallery in the art world, you're like right. now part of this like gal like you always want to be I always want to be part of this gallery family. Like I want to be treated really well. I want you know, I want to have interaction with the other artists at the gallery and you know seriously like a family sort of situation. And I wonder if right. it's like that for wizards, like if they like, oh I'm a I'm now part of this thing. Or if they just think be. about how shittily they get paid and they're like, I'm out. This is fucking terrible. Well, I mean, they, I'm sure they see each other at like GPs and stuff because once you're a magic artist, you get invited to those kind of things. Yeah. Have you, yeah. I mean, what do you guys think of the price? Matt, you've bought a few pieces of original art. What do you guys think of the price of original art? Oh, for magic art, it's insanely inexpensive. I can't, I, I think so, but uh, a, a couple of guys I know collect a lot more and it gets up there. Yeah. Like it gets into tens of thousands. But I was thinking about like in terms of their careers, like they have these enormous magic artists have these really long careers where they do tons of shit, and they their works are so cheap compared to that. You know, like if if I had a twenty year career as a painter, I would hope that my prices were like my prices are higher than their prices, and I've only been painting like ten years. But that's because of the world that I exist in, you know. Um, right. But I just I don't I only buy certain like I bought the art for shit in the day. Um, what is that card called? Goblin fodder? Yeah. Goblin fodder. Dragon um, fodder. A dragon fodder. It's the second, it's not even the main art. It's like the second. The promo art. art, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's awesome. And I love it. But it was like, it was like $500, I think, which for an original painting seems so low. And I've bought, I buy a lot of sketches because I love the way sketches look. 
Um, so those are still very, very cheap. Like uh, Brian Wackwitz, Wackwicky. I never know how to say his name either. I'm obviously terrible at saying people's names. Um, I, buy some, <laughs> I buy some of his sketches. Whoa, what the hell? Last Guardian standing. What are you guys doing? We're dying while you just pop bubbles, man. That's it. <laughs> where where is somebody so I can resurrect? You know the interesting thing. The, the interesting thing about magic art and the price of original magic art is that while it's relative to the mainstream art world, magic art's very cheap. Yeah, um, but I mean they've also already been paid for it once. You know, that's true, like, but it's 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 also going up, right? Yeah, it like is the, very like the market the value is, of magic going art up for sure is grown immensely, and, and some of you may recall. Um, a few months ago, there was a situation uh, where uh, it, there were two pieces of artwork that many, many years ago had been stolen by uh, stolen from Amy Weber. Um, and one of them was an original piece of alpha art. Um, and it turned out that uh, very recently, Channel Fireball had come into possession of both pieces. Um, and the technicality on the whole thing was that when the pieces were originally stolen... Uh, which again was more well over a decade ago. Um, Amy Weber never reported it to the police, uh, like to the FBI. Uh, they weren't on a registry of stolen art. Uh, and normally, when artwork is stolen, the the FBI maintains a database and it gets registered. So if anyone ever purchases it and it becomes publicly known again that it exists, um, the FBI can seize it essentially, and return it to the artist or owner who claimed it stolen. Um, and that kind of sucks for whoever bought it, but that's just, you know, it's how it, how the law works to protect people yeah, who buy art. But, you know, when it was stolen, even though this is original alpha art, when it was stolen, it was more or less worthless. Um, and it was one of the pieces was the, the art for Crystal Rod, which is a terrible card from alpha, but it's a card from alpha nonetheless. So here we are now, you know, it's, it's magic's been around for over 20 years and artwork, the original 200 and some odd pieces of artwork from the alpha set are now worth a lot of money. Um, and it becomes a big story because this is a very valuable piece of artwork um, that wasn't. And, and, and ultimately the, the art was surrendered to the police and investigations ongoing, but uh, a huge driving factor with, you know, people stealing magic art and, and it being sold and all these things going on uh, is that it's become much more of an investment uh, than it ever was before. Um, it's no longer like, oh, I'm going to buy this art because I think the card looks good. Uh, there are people who will buy the art because it's a, it's a sound investment. So that brings up an interesting point, Rich, uh, that a lot of times I, I, I think the art, the price of the art is... Uh, determined by the popularity of the card. Like you remember the Ajani uh, Steadfast, I think it was, art that sold yeah. for like 10 or 15 grand on eBay. Um, uh, yeah, Chris Ron is one of the most valuable magic artists currently painting. Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, Jones, do you know how uh, artists are chosen for cards? Are artists, do they choose the more famous artists for the cards that they push for standard? Like that kind of stuff? It doesn't seem like they do that, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like it's through like seniority or something like it's absolutely. There, yeah. If you've been there for a long time, they'll give you the better, like what are the better cards or what, you know what I mean? So the like Ryan 
Yee, I think his name is. I just interviewed him too. Um, it's really weird to try and say names that you've never said out loud before. And he was very excused telling me, he's like, maybe we can, maybe we can check back in and do another interview. Cause I just got all these cool cards that I can't tell you about, but I think they're really good ones. And I was like, Oh, you're really excited about He's, he just, I don't think he plays the game, but I think he thinks they'll see a lot of play. So they will be very, you know, popular cards. Yeah. Look at his name right. out there. It's also cool to do the cool things. Um, but so yeah. that made me think that it's like a rite of passage. Like you get cool cards. Uh, eventually when you, when you put in the hours. That makes sense. They like to keep it a meritocracy of sorts. Um, there's always, I mean, who who is the current is current uh, art director? Like the you two stay art. there. Don't don't hold. I art I would director. not know. I can't remember. It's not. Um, is it still Jeremy Jarvis? I have absolutely no idea. I'm, I, I think should it I is. should interview him next. It'd be. A very interesting interview to get for sure. Who are some of the artists uh, you've got in the works? Uh, Winona Nelson. Oh, um, nice. Sandra Irvingham. Drew Tucker comes out this week. I just have to put it together. It's just sitting in my computer right now. Um, Winona Nelson did the artwork for Enthralling Victor. Uh, I don't know if one? you saw Matt. She did. Uh, she recently did a uh, wrote an article or did an interview for. Uh, Gathering Magic, maybe? Uh, I think for Mike Linneman, uh, talking about uh, the artwork for Enthralling Victor. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, she did Voice of Resurgence, too. Yep. So I've been talking to her a lot about Voice of Resurgence, because that card was insanely popular, and it has yeah. very, very unique art for one of those cards, you know, like yeah. super unique. Um, and I got to see all the preliminary drawings for that, and they're freaking awesome. It's so cool. And the way she talks about it, it meant a lot to her because she uh, grew up in a like a forest area, <laughs> and so like being able to paint nature in that way was something that she was really looking forward to and was very excited about doing. What's the? Um, I was gonna I was gonna ask who was your favorite artist to interview so far, but that seems a little unfair to the rest of the artists. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, every single person I've interviewed has been super super fun. Like I just learned so much every time. I've only had one person say no. Uh, I sent questions <laughs> to them, and then they said no after that. I just ran by that guy without touching him. Um, <laughs> which I was, it's, it was actually somebody that I, I remember talking to when I was a kid about uh, art because they were on magic forums or uh, on atheism forums. Or they uh. go into... I used to go into Christian chats and ask Christians why they believed in God and shit like that when I was like 14. <laughs> trolling <laughs> and then, before trolling was a thing. Yeah. And Matt Jones, the original troll. And uh, I was actually legitimately interested. I was like, what? what? How do you do that? Um, legitimately interested in trolling? Yeah. No, legitimately interested in, the, in their answers. Um, and I was really surprised that she didn't want to do it, but she said she didn't. She was supposed to do interviews. Uh, and and she like we started and she's like yeah this isn't fun for me I was like well I don't want to do anything that's not fun for you so it seems seems like we should stop <laughs> yeah it seems fair yeah yeah no um, so it's a, it's an exciting uh, aspect of the game that not a lot of people are very familiar with um, you know there's also artists who are staff artists for wizards um, the people who put together the style guides. 
for example, are members of the creative team. Um, oh, really? Yeah. They're, they're like Steve Prescott did my favorite. I think it was the Ravnica, one of the Ravnica ones, yeah. maybe? I can't remember. I didn't know he was a like a, a house the people, artist. Yeah, the, the people who put the style guides together, they're staff art, like they're staff artists. Um, so yeah, you should definitely we should try to get uh, one of them. I think it might be tougher to get uh, one of them, but maybe not. I have mixed results getting interviews out of Wizards of the Coast uh, yeah. directly. Um, so sometimes, you know, they'll be like, yeah, well, you know, we're totally interested in having you interview this person. And then other times, like, I will not even get a reply back saying no. Yeah. Uh, they'll be like, no answer. Like, nobody will pick up the phone. I mean, I guess there's uh, more of a risk there. Like, that's your, tied to your job. That, like, you say something wrong and you're screwed. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens all the time. Anytime I want to, uh, I try to interview wizards or get a statement from wizards on something controversial. Um, it'll be a no go, uh, yeah. and they won't. Like, I won't even get a reply from them. But uh, it is what it is. Um, and uh, no, it's great. We've I, I've been enjoying uh, the interviews. Uh, the new the new regular arting around um, has been a blast. Yeah, I've been. I was a little disappointed in the response. I didn't get to the Salad Days of Summer article. I was pretty bummed out about that. <laughs> I was very excited to rank all of the holy sh Nikes. Where do ah Jesus, Dave? There's a million guys up by where Rich and I were. We are not successfully killing them. Um, I'm doing all right. Oh, Rich just nailed it. Never mind, I lied. Yeah, I switched to shotgun. Good choice. Good choice. I guess I should have a shotgun. Anyways, <laughs> so. Go hard. Switching gears as we as we try to finish uh, the penultimate stage here, um, I'll revive you, Matt. Thanks. So buddy. yeah, I guess Origins is now out this weekend. Uh, it's live uh, and in people's hands. Um, I've 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 heard really mixed reviews uh, so far. Some people love it. Some people really hate it. Uh, and and I feel like that's not unexpected uh, right after a pre-release because I don't know what your guys' experience is, but I get the impression that a lot of people judge a set uh, based on their pre-release experience. Um, like people who are like people who end up, you know, going four zero in the pre-release will be like, "Yeah, this set's amazing! What a great limited format!" And then people who go O2 drop uh, in the pre-release are like the ones who are like. Ugh, what is Wizards thinking? They have no idea what they're doing. The set's terrible. Right, so you're you saying that people's enjoyment of magic is tied to their success? Uh, <laughs> no I way. People, no way. I think people's judgments of magic are tied to their own success, yes. Also, yes. I think uh, I get that. For, I think a lot of people... My, my younger brother uh, messaged me on Facebook, and he was like, Arjun sucks. And I was like, why? He's like, I went O2 in the pre-release. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it sucks for you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anything. It is interesting, though, that you said at the beginning of the podcast that we're in sort of uh, like off-season for Magic, but the, pre the release was last weekend, right? Yeah, the pre-release... The pre-release was Friday. last weekend. The release was this weekend. Yeah, we're like right uh, at the release of a new set, and we're at an off-season. I think that's yeah. Well, I mean, it's says a lot the about the new set. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there aren't a lot of PPTQs going on. RPTQs just happened. The Pro Tour is in two weeks. That's, that's when it feels like the new set really Yeah, when the, the when the Pro Tour happens and when the Grand Prix pick up again, um, you know, it's been kind of slow, I think, this summer. Um, I think a lot, some of that ha- maybe has to do with Modern Masters being uh, less exciting. Um, but it just seems like there hasn't been a whole lot going on. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that'll change after the Pro Tour um, uh, as we head towards Battle for Zendikar. Um, but, you know, after the, I mean, after this Pro Tour, we've got um, World Cup qualifiers will be coming up. Um, they recently announced some details around the World Cup and the World Championship. Um, the World Championship is coming up in September, uh, so that's only uh, a month and a half away now. Because, um, you know, the... Pro Tour Origins technically is the end of uh, the Magic season. Uh, the Pro season is a year long. It runs from August to August. Um, and and this, is, uh, this is the final Pro Tour of the season. So after this, we'll know um, the full rosters for the World Championship. Um, and we'll start uh, qualifiers for the World Cup. Um, and uh, we'll have Pro Club levels set. Um, and so on and so forth. So it's it's kind of a it's a bit exciting, but also at the same time a bit slow, you know, like just kind of waiting for the dust to settle. Yeah. Um, I just got caught off guard too. All right. Well, good luck, Bones. But uh, yeah. So I mean, the the season will kick off again with Pro Tour Battle for Zendikar. Um, but to be honest, this is the thing that's always kind of confused me about the pro season is that, uh, so origins, um, origins will technically be the end of the season. And then, uh, at least it's only a month away, uh, less than a month away until the world championship. So that's nice. But then the world cup, uh, is a little later on. Um, and that's a little confusing. But I don't know, having the season uh, start and end in August has always been kind of uh, confusing to me. I don't know, what do you guys think? Or do you guys not even notice? I seriously don't notice ever. Yeah, I've never really noticed the, the beginning or end of a pro season before, so. <laughs> I'm the only one who cares. Dave, do, you, do you not aspire to be a pro? I don't understand. No, I definitely do not. If I'm going to be pro at something, I'd rather be pro at something that pays me. So. Ooh, segue. I think, yeah, I think, you know, it, it'd be, it might be easier if the Pro Tour followed the calendar year. I get why it's August to August. They, they, because the, the standard rotation is what it follows. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It's, well, actually, no, the season, uh, the season begins and ends uh, mid format because it'll the format won't rotate for another uh two months uh well uh, i mean what i meant is like the final pro tour of the season is the is the big oh, standard pro tour that's more what I'm yeah saying. all right that's so let's let's burn the boss by the way it is the big standard oh great bubble oh sorry. right in front of my rocket yes you're welcome <laughs> oh man 
Um, yeah, I think uh, you know the pro tour has kind of it's it's lo loses some excitement in the summer, uh, even though it's the final pro tour and it's the big standard pro tour. Um, the problem with the big standard pro tour is that it's uh, we kind of the format's not there's not a whole lot to change on the format, right? Like the format is pretty well defined. Um, I'm gonna go for this checkpoint. Now we're not gonna make this. So. Should we quit? Yeah, we should probably just wait. Uh, you want you want to wrap up the the podcast and we can just like. Do All this right. Song, I, <laughs> I would, but uh, ah, whoa, I'm dead. Well, that's a good way to end the podcast. Toast. So, anyways, uh, thanks to Matt for uh, walking us through the art world of Magic: The Gathering. And uh, stay tuned next week when we'll uh, get into more depth previewing uh, the Pro Tour um, and talking about uh, the end of the season, Hall of Fame voting, um, you know, all the things that happen, World Championship lineup, uh, all those other sorts of things that are coming up. Uh, that's it. Let me, let me find a, a button to either stop the stream or, or hack the boss. Hey Guardians, thanks for tuning in to the Doom Travelers Podcast. You can find more at doomtravelers.com or follow at doomtravelers on Twitter for show updates and other nonsense. Make sure to subscribe to Hipsters TV on YouTube for videos of our previous episodes. And don't forget that you can find audio-only versions of the Doom Travelers Podcast on iTunes. For your host, Rich Stein, and Matt the Obliterator Jones, I'm David Bones McCoy. See you next time. Now